Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. You can use fingerprints to tell who did something, right? Uh, God is at work. The Bible says our God's a living God. He is at work in the daily lives of his people. And sometimes you can see it. I can think back to different seasons in my life and think of, uh, I remember in one church that I was pastoring, there was a couple of families in that church that I believe with all my heart, God put there to help me, encourage me uh, through a difficult time. I think of a youth director shortly after I was saved who invested in my life and uh, made a, a difference in my life. I can think of people who influenced me, one man who taught me about prayer, uh, another uh, who, who has mentored me in various ways. And, you know, God, God is so good to work and move in our lives. And uh, we need to have our eyes open to his movement, to his work in our lives, so that we can walk with him in the steps that he has for us to take. Uh, and Nehemiah does this uh, really well. Uh, and uh, God has put a burden upon his heart, as we, we talked about in chapter 1. His brother comes with a message of the devastation that's there in Judah. And uh, Nehemiah's heart is greatly burdened. He begins to fast and pray. Uh, and for a period of four months, is praying to the Lord. And finally, you, when you get to chapter 2, God is beginning to work in some very significant ways. And God begins to open up these doors for him to go and to do what God has in mind for him to do. Uh, so we need to look for uh, the work of God in our lives and cooperate with him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the title of my message is The Fingerprints of God. Uh, so look with me in verse 1 of Nehemiah 2. It says, in, During the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was set before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence, so the king said to me, Why are you sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. I was overwhelmed with fear and replied to the king, May the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king asked me, What is your request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried, so that I may rebuild it. The king with the queen seated beside him asked me, How long will your journey take, and when you, will you return? So I gave him a definite time, and it pleased the king to send me. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters written to the governors of the region west of the Euphrates River so that they will grant me safe passage until I reach Judah. And let me have a letter written to Asaph, uh, keeper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber to rebuild the gates of the temple's fortress, the city wall, and the home where I will live. The king granted my request for the gracious hand of my God was on me. I went to the governors of the region west of the Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent letters, uh, officers of the infantry and cavalry with me. When Sambalat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard that someone had come to pursue the prosperity of the Israelites, they were greatly displeased. 
After I arrived in Jerusalem and had been there three days, I got up at night and took a few men with me. I didn't tell anyone what my God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal I took was the one I was riding. I went out at night through the valley gate toward the serpent's well and the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. I went on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but farther down it became too narrow for my animal to go through, so I went up at night by way of the valley and inspected the wall. Then heading back, I entered through the valley gate and returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, for I had not yet told the Jews, priests, nobles, officials, or the rest of those who would be doing the work. So I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned. Come, let's rebuild Jerusalem's wall so that we will no longer be in disgrace. I told them how the gracious hand of my God had been on me and what the king had said to me. They said, let's start rebuilding, and their hands were strengthened to do this good work. When Sambalat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about this, they mocked and despised us and said, what's this you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? I gave them this reply, the God of heavens is the one who will grant us success. We, his servants, will start building, and you have no right or share or historic claim in Jerusalem. So the fingerprints of God, how do we see God at work in our lives? Well, first of all, you see an opportunity. You see an opportunity. If you look in verse 2, the king said, why are you sad? Now, Nehemiah is scared to death when he hears this because the cupbearer of the king was supposed to be cheerful. Uh, and uh, often the kings would suspect there to be foul play going on if you weren't in the right frame of mind, the right disposition. And so the language that's used here could, could be interpreted a couple of different ways. Uh, literally the word is evil. Why is your face evil? Uh, but it has the meaning sometimes in the context of being just bad or sad or something along those lines. Um, so Nehemiah is scared to death. I mean, this could be the death sentence for him. But actually, it's an opportunity from God. Because as he asks this question, Nehemiah is able to answer the question. And in his answering the question, provide uh, the information needed so that the king could support him in the task that he had to fulfill. So sometimes God gives us an opportunity, and sometimes those opportunities don't always look like we would expect them to look. So Nehemiah takes advantage of this opportunity. He's been fasting, he's been praying, the gracious hand of God is with him. So when the king asks, Nehemiah has a ready answer, and the opportunity is seized to do the will of God. Uh, there have been times when I've done well with seizing the opportunity God has given me, and there have been times I've done poorly. Um, I've, I've shared with you about uh, uh, stopping and speaking to someone who was unsaved, and uh, God just kind of led me to do that, and uh, he came to Christ. And then there was another time I quenched the Holy Spirit, uh, and I didn't share when I should have shared. And uh, I think there's probably a lot of the times that we just simply don't have our antenna up to the opportunities that God gives us. You know, if you're like me, you can get busy. You can get uh, caught up in your schedule. 
and uh, you're just not paying attention to people around you and maybe not even to the Holy Spirit uh, who is working. So we've got to have our, our hearts and minds open to be used by God when those opportunities come our way uh, to be used by God. It could be that God has put you and God has put this other individual there so that you can impact their life for eternity. And what an opportunity that is. Um, other times, God may be uh, preparing the way for you to do something that is going to take uh, the work of others, and, and he begins to open doors. Um, I remember uh, I had a, a good friend in Texas who uh, they'd been raising money for a building, and he just felt strongly impressed by God that they needed to give that money to missions. And so he told his people about it, and they voted unanimously to give the money to missions. Well, that next, that after they sent the check to missions, that next week, this businessman came in, and he said, you know, he said, uh, I, uh, I need a tax write-off, and I have decided to give a check to your church. And guess what the amount was for? The exact amount they had given to missions. Uh, but God had an opportunity for them to take. He was going to use them to build this building and to further the work of the kingdom of God. But he also had a, a purpose in the missions. And so as they listened to him, he supplied the needs. And it's amazing to me how God will supply what we need when we call upon his name and we have ears to hear. So uh, the fingerprints of God, I mean, there, there may have never been an opportunity for Nehemiah uh, to get his message across, but God gave him one, and he took it. And so, uh, keep your eyes open to those opportunities that God may give you. Now, um, how do you see the, the fingerprints of God in your life? Well, well, you see an opportunity. Secondly, you see an approval. Uh, so, uh, verse 4 said, So the king said to me, What is your request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you return? So in other words, he's approving the thing. He's saying, I just want to, want to know how long are you going to be gone and when are you coming back? And so um, uh, the king approves it. So the door has been thrown wide open for Nehemiah. And he gives this machine gun prayer to God right before he does it. And that, that's a great thing to do. Now, you need to spend your time with God and your quiet time with God. But uh, when an opportunity arises, it's a great thing to send a little prayer up to the Lord silently uh, and for his help and his blessing uh, or perhaps his wisdom uh, as you deal with something that's come up in your life. Uh, so, Nehemiah gets the approval that he needs. I, I've had uh, cases where uh, sometimes people say, well, I feel called to something, but the authorities in their life are, are kind of standing in the way. And the circumstances, maybe they just don't have the finances, they don't have the resources. Um, and not that God can't take care of those things, but in some cases, God may say, this is not my plan for you by not providing the resources that you're asking for. Um, God did that in my life when I was going one direction, and that wasn't the direction God wanted me to go, right? So the provision wasn't there, but 
when, when I chose to go his direction later on as he called me, uh, he provided the resources I needed to uh, fulfill that role that he had for me. So sometimes um, God may, may uh, kind of hit the brakes on something we're trying to do. And uh, we need to be sensitive to that. We may need to go back to God in prayer. Lord, is this what you had in mind? If it is, God can provide it. And there may be a timing issue. But uh, if, if, uh, if, it is, if, it, if it is God's will, uh, how great it is when you're like Nehemiah and automatically all the doors just swing wide open. That, that's, a, that's like another confirmation that God is at work and moving in your life. And so this approval by the king... I mean, obviously, Nehemiah is somebody that he trusts, or he wouldn't be his cupbearer. Uh, and evidently, he's somebody that the king genuinely cares about because he's asking how he's doing. Uh, and so, uh, the fact that he is willing to give up this trusted cupbearer to go and do this task, and by the way, a task that he had stopped before. Ezra tells us about that. He had actually stopped the rebuilding of Jerusalem and gave a command, an edict, uh, that the work be stopped. And now Nehemiah is asking him to do the very same work, and God has opened the door wide. See, that's who our God is. Uh, we, when I was in Texas, we had this, uh, uh, I had this pastor friend who was, uh, they needed some land. They, were, they needed to build and but there was this land, and there was this guy that refused. He was kind of mad at the church, and he, I think somebody had offended him in the past, and he refused to sell. He said, I, won't, I will not sell to, the, to this church. I refuse to do it. And he told people, I'll never sell to your church. So they started praying. And uh, he came in. We, we'd been praying together as pastors. We'd been praying for this thing to, be, to come available. And uh, he changed his mind. He came over to the church, and he says, I've changed my mind. I want to sell the property to you. And, of course, they purchased it and, and went forward with what God had in mind. So, listen, God holds the heart of the king in his hand. He turns it whichever way he wants it to go. And so, uh, when you have that approval, what a, what a glorious thing. Praise the Lord, thank him, and see the fingerprint of his hand working and moving in your life. So, the fingerprints of God, how do you see it? Well, you see an opportunity. Secondly, you see an approval. Thirdly, you see a helper. Uh, and, and the helper really comes from an odd place. It is a pagan king. A pagan king. Look at verse 7. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters written to the governors. So, Nehemiah is saying, hey, king, would you... Would you Write me official letters saying that I'm on the king's business so that nobody can give me a hard time and they'll give me safe passage, okay? <laughs> and that's exactly what the king does. Then he says, uh, you know, I also need these materials. And so uh, verse 8, he says, let me have a letter written to Asaph, keeper of the king's force, so that he will give me timber. So he says, oh, and by the way, king, will you provide the materials we need to rebuild the wall? Will you pay for them? Will you give me a letter to the guy that's over your forest so that he'll give us all the wood that we need? Well, absolutely, Nehemiah. And so he signs him another page. He gives it to him. He takes it off. And guess what? God uses the devil's nickel to accomplish God's purpose. I love it. Uh, so his helper is the king. And then if you look down in verse 9, it says, The king also sent officers of the infantry and cavalry with me. 
So uh, you had your sin ballots and Tobias that did not like what was going, going to be happening. But uh, they see Nehemiah coming with an official letter. They see him coming with the king's infantrymen around him <laughs> uh, on an official mission. And there's nothing they can do to stop what God has set in motion. I love the fact that when God chooses to do something, all the, the weapons of the enemy can't stop it. All the uh, displeasure uh, and plotting of men can't stop it. It is the purpose of God, and God will accomplish it. And so, uh, he gives him an unlikely helper. Uh, God is able to, I love what he, he says of Nebuchadnezzar. I, I'm going to use Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar didn't believe in God. Nebuchadnezzar worshipped the gods of Babylon. But God used him to judge his people. And then he used Cyrus, and he predicted. He said in Isaiah, he said, I'm going to use Cyrus, the Persian, another idolater. I'm going to use Cyrus. I'm going to tell you what his name is in advance. I'm going to use him to send my people back to the land. And indeed, that's exactly what happened. Cyrus, the Persian, gave an edict, and the people of God, many of them, went back to the land. Um, this is, this is the way our God works. He is able, he, he even used a donkey in Balaam's case, right? Uh, he, he, I told you that story about that evangelist that I was talking to that time, and uh, I, he was talking about this other evangelist. I said, well, I have a hard time saying anything about him because he's the guy that God used to bring me to Christ. And he said, well, God used a donkey to talk to Balaam. And so, well, you know, what do you say to that? Uh, but God, you know, God can use anybody he wants to use. Yes, he can even use me. <laughs> he can use you. <laughs> praise, praise the Lord. He is able. And so he gives Nehemiah the helper that he needs. And this is part of the fingerprint of God upon a situation. Listen, our God is so wise, he sees the end from the beginning. He knows exactly what challenges there are going to be in our lives. And he knows how to put exactly the right people in our lives and exactly the right resources in our lives at exactly the right time in our lives to help us, to accomplish his purposes. Uh, and what an amazing thing to serve God like that. And, to, and what an amazing thing to be able to rest in him and to trust in him and to know that uh, what, what Isaiah said in Isaiah 41.10 is true, where he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yea, I will help you. Yea, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Our God is with us. And he, if God is with us, who can be against us? So God gives him a helper he sends Artaxerxes to do his errand. <laughs> Artaxerxes becomes the errand boy of the king, of the true king, the king of heaven. And, uh, and so the fingerprints of God, how do, how do you see them? Well, you see an opportunity. You see an, approve, uh, an approval. You see a helper. And next you see a readiness. A readiness. If you look at verse 18, Nehemiah has inspected the walls and has discovered what needs to be done. 
verse 18, he tells the people, he says, I, I told them how great the gracious hand of my God had been on me and what the king had said to me. And they said, let's start rebuilding. And their hands were strengthened to do this good work. Now, chances are many of these people didn't even know Nehemiah. If you've ever tried to do leadership, sometimes leadership with people that you know is hard, right? Uh, How much more with people that you don't know? But Nehemiah comes into this situation, and though there are some who know him, uh, God just prepares the hearts of the people, and they're ready. And they say, yeah, let's build. Let's, hey, we're ready. We're, we're, we're convinced that God is with you. We're ready to start. When do we start? And they're eager and ready to do the work of God. I had a, a professor that, uh, uh, of pastoral ministry back when I was in Texas in, in school. And uh, he used to say, he had a, a Mississippi accent. He said, uh, he who leads with no one following is only taking a walk. And uh, that's true. Uh, you know, you could try to lead, but if you got no one following you, you're not going to have very much success. But God had prepared the hearts of the people. And here's another fingerprint. God is, he's already gone before. Before Nehemiah ever got there, God was working in the hearts of those people, and he was preparing them for the work that God had for them to do. Uh, this shows us sometimes if, if God says wait in our lives, we can trust him with the wait because he is able to prepare the hearts of people after a season of time to do what he wants them to do. Or he can do it immediately as he did with Nehemiah. But uh, we can trust God with that part of the equation. You don't have to be unkind to people. You don't have to manipulate people uh, to, for, for them to do what God desires to happen uh, because God can prepare the hearts and the people uh, will follow. So uh, Nehemiah sees all of these fingerprints all over. I mean, imagine how his head must have been spinning with all the things that had happened in such a short period of time. Yes, there's going to be difficulties. He's got uh, Sanballat and uh, Tobiah and Geshem, uh, the Arab that's, uh, that are already unhappy with what he's doing. And by the way, if you serve God, prepare yourself for somebody to be unhappy about it because that's just the nature of the beast. And uh, there's always going to be people. I I love what Spurgeon uh, Spurgeon said. Somebody was criticizing him. He was doing Sunday school. Somebody was criticizing the way he was doing it. And he said, "Uh, well, how are you doing it? She said, well, I'm not doing it. He said, well, then I like the way I'm doing it better than the way you're not doing it. And so, you know, sometimes you just got to say, okay, this is part of it. Uh, but, but, yeah, Nehemiah, I love the way that God prepared all this because even the opposition that was there, they could do nothing about it. He had official documentation from the king. He had uh, soldiers from the king. Uh, he had the authority of the king. And there was nothing they could say. They could, they could uh, accuse him which is what they do here. Uh, they, could, they could make up things and try to give him trouble and, uh, and gossip and all these different things and threaten him, which they did eventually. But ultimately, they couldn't stop it because God had gone before him and prepared the way for this purpose to be achieved through his life. And 
uh, one of the neat things about being a child of God, Jesus did say, apart from me, you can do nothing. And sometimes we've all been frustrated. You, you feel like the disciples casting those nets all night and catching nothing. But then God, all God has to do is speak. Right? Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. Whoa. <laughs> it's, uh, I had that, we, we had that happen one time, not, not the net full of fish, but uh, we had, uh, we were going crappie fishing. I was out with some fellows one time, and, uh, you know, crappie are not, but even if you get a really good one, they're, you know, you might get something like this, but it's not going to be a huge fish. Well, I snagged this big fish, and all of a sudden, that little ultralight pole I had went like that. And I knew I, I was in for something, you know. <laughs> the fight was on. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be those disciples and have that net instantly full of fish? Uh, this, is, this is the power of our God. And all he has to do is speak. And, and I love the fact that uh, as Nehemiah does these things, and, and God is working. God is working in this amazing way. For who? For people that really deserve it, but, you know, they've really done great. No. For people that were utter, abject failures in his eyes. Right? They've come back from captivity. They're, they have failed as much as they could possibly fail. Uh, they're broken, but they have been sent back to the land for a new start, and God is working on their behalf. Aren't you grateful for the mercy and grace of our God? Thank God that he uses broken vessels. He uses even sinful vessels. Uh, and we need to keep our lives clean so we don't quench the Holy Spirit. But uh, praise God for his mercy. Where would we be without it? And this remarkable work of God is done on behalf of this broken people. And this is the heart of our God. Uh, his mercies are new every morning. Jeremiah was looking at all the devastation around him. He said, Lord, it's of your compassions that we're not consumed. Your compassions fail not. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Can I tell you, there have been times I haven't been faithful to God. But there's never been a time where he's been unfaithful to me. He is perfectly good and perfectly faithful. And because of that, we have hope. And we can lift up our heads and we can know that as God leads us, as, as somebody once said, as God guides, he provides. As God leads us, he will provide what is needed to do the task that lies before us. So look for the fingerprints of God in your life. And by the way, consult, you know, Nehemiah is not just looking for these things without the context of sensing a burden from God and a leading from God to do his work, okay? Uh, sometimes people say, well, I'm looking for a sign, you know, if, uh, if there's green on the next page of the newspaper, I'm going to go to Ethiopia, okay? And they flip the page and it's green, okay, <laughs> I'm going to Ethiopia. No, uh, you know, do more than just look for the outward signs. Ask God, okay? <laughs> Ask God about it. Lord, is this, is this what your, your will is in my life? And consult the Word of God. Um, go to the Word of God, but also ask God for that specific direction, for the, His peace and His direction in your life. But Nehemiah had that. Uh, 
when he heard the news of what had happened in Jerusalem, he had a great burden from God that just came upon his life. And uh, it, it basically consumed his life. He's fasting and praying. Listen, you know, if you, if, at least for me, if I quit eating, there's something serious going on, okay? Uh, so, um, you know, he, he has a, a great burden that God has given him. And so, uh, then when you have that burden and you know that God is leading and you've been praying in a certain direction and then you begin to see God do these things, it's just confirmation. And you can rejoice in the mighty, awesome hand of God at work on behalf of you. And, uh, and of his purpose. So, all right. So the fingerprints of God. By the way, God's greatest act of love for us was at Calvary's cross. And uh, he saw the need. Just as Nehemiah saw a need, God saw the need of every human heart. That we're sinners. We can't save ourselves. We can't be good enough. We can't achieve it. Uh, we're so far apart. Somebody once said trying to get to heaven on your own good works is like trying to chuck a baseball across the Grand Canyon. Some people may get it farther than others, but nobody gets it across. You and I have fallen short of the glory of God, and we are in desperately in need of Jesus Christ. But God saw that need, and he sent Jesus, and Jesus himself willingly said, nobody takes my life from me. I'll lay it down willingly. And he went to the cross, and he paid the price for your sin and mine. And he rose again, and he calls us to surrender to him, to choose to turn from our sin our own way to follow him and to receive his gift of eternal life. If you've not done that tonight, I want to invite you to do that, uh, to make your choice to follow Jesus and to live a life of purpose God's calling you to live. And if you're a child of God, lift up your head. You've got God on your side. <laughs> See, uh, pray, uh, follow God. And uh, look for those opportunities he gives you to fulfill his purpose. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for speaking into our lives. Father, help us to, uh, first of all, to care about your work the way Nehemiah cared about your people and about the city of Jerusalem. Lord, help us as we spend time in prayer, Lord, to join with your burden. And to, to lift up the things that we see in our church, in our families, in this community, and in our nation, God, that they're so broken that need to be fixed. And Father, help us pray along with you and help us look for those opportunities and, and the work of your hand, Lord, to fulfill the purposes you've laid before us. And Father, uh, if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know Christ, I pray that tonight would be the night that they would surrender to you and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray it in his name.